Hi there, this is Jamcast Pals. I'm Jordan, and today we have... Oh, is my... Marissa, hey. So, yeah, up? there's no Alma today. Today we're going to be doing another mini-sode on a movie that only me and Marissa saw called... Uh, Expelled from Paradise. Yeah, Expelled from Paradise. And it just came out, I think, last month in Japan, and they got a pretty early showing in, subtitled only here in America. It's distributed by Aniplex USA. So that's why. And then so we just saw it, I think, two days ago, right? Yes. Yeah. And tickets were kind of expensive. They were like $15, but it's because it came out here so fast. But overall, no, we won't go into, we won't go into that yet. So first what we'll do is we're going to do, because uh, it's a mini-sode, we're going to go right into it. So we'll have a non-spoiler discussion, and then we'll give a warning, and then we'll have our spoiler discussion on the movie. So if you've already seen the movie, or if you don't care about the spoilers, then you can stay for that part. But I have a feeling a lot of people haven't seen the movie yet, so you probably don't want to. So just to start off with, we'll give our impressions of whether or not we liked it. So you go first, Marissa. Um, it was good. I liked it. Yeah, that's basically mine too, is, yeah, it's pretty good. High-pitched good. Like, not like a good good, but like, yeah, pretty good. Like that. <laughs> like, you have to do a high-pitched voice with it. And... Yeah. I feel I told you this after we saw the movie, but I feel like the the best thing I could compare it to is Tron, where you're like, yeah, it's pretty good, and then you're like, it could have been better, and you're like, I feel like, I don't know, it's one of those movies where, cause, should we go into the plot first, cause then maybe the Tron thing would make more sense. Yeah. All right. Do you feel like you got a grasp on it enough to do a plot summary? Uh, well, you do it. Okay. I'm not great at summaries, and especially for this movie, I feel like it is kind of... It's not, I don't, it's not plot heavy. It's just information heavy. So it's going to be kind of hard to do it, but I'll try it. Um, so basically, this movie takes place, it seems, in the future, in our reality. So not technically Earth, but around Earth. So there's Earth in the future... And what has happened is, is basically, um, Earth's population has been whittled down, and it's kind of become a desert planet. But while that's happened on Earth, um, there's a society that orbits Earth from a space station that's called Diva. And then inside of Diva, um, all the inhabitants live in kind of a cyberspace reality, where when they're born, they're turned into a... They don't make it technically clear, but... Your organic matter is organic matter is translated into code, and they live in a cyberspace. But this is kind of one of the things that they don't make clear in the movie. But you're not sure if they're only code or if they're if they're part biology too. But they do live in a cyberspace, which is kind of what Tron is about. So that's why I was making that comparison. So the plot of the movie starts where you're introduced to an officer who works for kind of the government of this diva system. Who's called... Do you remember her name? No. I remember her last name. Oh, Angela? Yep. So it's Balsack. Angela. Yeah, it's Angela, <laughs> and then her last name is Balsack. <laughs> it's felt, like, weird, but when they're speaking it in Japanese, it's totally just the Romanized saying of Balsack. But it's yeah. B-A-L-Z-A-C. C. Balsack. Yeah. So then Angela Balsack is... Uh, <laughs> it... A, kind of like a 
government official for this organization. And then her job is to basically find criminals, I guess. But it kind of seems like in this world, there are no criminals. Because it's a perfect digital world where everybody can live and like experience pleasures as they want. Because it's all digital. But the movie starts with an attack from this outside force who's hacking into the system. And it kind of glitches the system. And then it's issuing a message to the citizens inside of D.Va that um, it has a spaceship ready outside of the digital world in the actual world. And it's going to go on a mission into outer space. And it's looking for volunteers from D.Va. But everybody kind of just like doesn't believe it. And they kind of take the guy as a terrorist. And then especially the D.Va officials, like the D.Va, the people who run D.Va, who are even above um, Angela, um, assume that he that this is a terrorist whose ultimate goal is to disrupt the peace and then have a complete hack on the D.Va system and kind of not kill everybody, but end it. And then so they'll just be organic matter in space, I guess, right? Like, they don't make it clear, but it's and it's supposed to be an attack on D.Va, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then so as her job entails, she's supposed to... Oh, well, what they find out is that they're trying to track down who this guy is. And his name is... Do you remember it? I, I do Frontier Setter. Yeah, Frontier Setter. So Frontier Setter is the name of this terrorist. And then her job is to track him down. And they find out that the that the connection is coming from Earth. So it's kind of hard for them to believe that the person who's hacking D.Va is somebody who's on Earth who are considered kind of lower class human beings. or Whereas the people on D.Va are considered the next evolution of humans who, who live in this kind of pseudo-organic digital existence. So the plot of the movie is that to catch Frontier Setter, um, Angela has to go into an, a completely organic body that they use making her genetic build from when she was an uh, embryo. And then to get the jump on all of the other officers, because it's supposed to be uh, like a diva-wide search, like more diva officers are supposed to be doing it too, she ages her body only till 16, even though from her visuals at the beginning of the movie, it looks like she's, what, in her 30s? I think so. Yeah, she looks pretty old, though. She's like a full-grown adult. But because she wants to get the jump on them, she only allows her organic body to age till 16. And she gets maybe a day ahead of the people. Right? Yeah, yeah, about a day, yeah. Yeah, because I think it may be less than a day hours-wise, but I think it's at least until the nighttime that other officers don't end up showing up. But yeah. So when she lands, they already organized an Earth person to help basically escort her. And then apparently this happens to other officers too, like, uh, there have been other officers who have gone to Earth to fix problems or whatever. And then so this guy has experience with the people of D.Va. And so when he shows up, he kind of brings trouble for her in the form of, you want to say it? Uh, the sandworms? Yeah. You want to explain the scene? Because I feel like I'm talking a lot. Basically just up uh... to this character's introduction. So she gets there, and then she's like, so when's this guy supposed to show up? And then she's like looking at, uh, with her binoculars or whatever, and she sees, like, a car with a dude in it, and then there's, like, a bunch of things behind him just, like, kicking up dust, and then she doesn't know what it is, and until she realizes that there's monsters, 
and she like gets to her like robot thing and gets inside it and starts uh beating on them and whatever but she can't kill them until she realizes that the guy that was in the car uh is like pointing to his head and she's like oh, okay headshots and then she takes gets rid of all of them and then people show up and they like yeah cut up the sandworms and then they're like taking them for me and it was all planned by the dude who's her guide to make money yeah so basically <laughs> you're introduced to this character who's supposed to be her guide as kind of a hustler where he knows that she has all this like next level technology she's from outer space so she he kind of lures all the worms there just so she'll kill them for him and then he'll take that meat and sell it to all of the citizens of earth so he can make a profit that's great yeah and then basically that's kind of their relationship for the movie is that she is the what do you call it straight lay space officer and he is the kind of rough and tumble earth dude right yeah he's and my favorite did you say what his name was Dingo. Yeah, and that is his code name. His real name is something else, which I did not catch because they literally say it one time in the movie. But his AKA name is Dingo, and that's what they all call him by. He's great. Yeah. And then so after that, it basically becomes Dingo and then Angela are on a mission to catch Frontier Setter. And this happens through them um, trying to track him down physically where he's located on Earth. And how Dingo gets ahead of the game is that he basically makes her, like, junk all of her future tech after that point, after that introduction. Because he explains that because Future Setter is a hacker, that they can't be connected to D.Va at all, or else Future Setter can find them. Frontier. Frontier Setter, sorry, I, I said Future, yeah. So that Frontier Setter can't find them. And then so from there, that's kind of the journey of the movie. And then I guess that's where we'll stop so that we don't spoil anything else. Okay, so we discussed at the beginning the that we liked it. It was okay, right? Mm-hmm. And so we paid $15 for it. I would not... Okay, even if it was like an American Hollywood movie, would you think it would be like a $15 ticket? Not really, right? No. But I, I could totally see if, if Hollywood made the exact same movie live action, well, they couldn't do it perfectly because like they have total animu stereotypes in it. Like the fact that... One of the things I did not like about the movie is that you have a character who is totally an adult and she totally functions perfectly fine as an adult, the Angela character, but because it's Animu, they got to age her down to 16, <laughs> which is totally weird and it's like not necessary at all. No. They have all space, they have all this space tech and they could have just been like, well, she just got the jump on them because she could have maybe aged up to like, I don't know, like... At least not 16. Yeah, she like couldn't have waited a couple more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. So I didn't like that aspect of it. But there are other aspects of the movie that I did like. So one of the things we didn't mention is that this movie is completely in CG. Except for, no, I think the backgrounds are... A lot of the backgrounds are 2D. Yeah. Like, they're drawn pictures. But all of the characters are all done with 3D CG models. So it's kind of the first... Not It's definitely not the first, but it's like the first big push for one of these movies again in anime. Because I feel like, I don't know, we don't really get a lot of them. Because 
You know some of them, right, Marissa? Like, there's Appleseed. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah, there's Appleseed. There's this old one, I think, Cars. But I think it wasn't full CG. But there's definitely been a few of them. But overall, I'd say I actually really like the CG in this movie. I think it worked. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. But were there problems? Yeah. Yeah, there were definitely still problems. But it's definitely probably one of the best ones I've seen do it. Like... No matter what, they always have this problem with character movement. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah. Like, just, and I don't mean, like, character movement, like, action. Like, the action scenes are really good. Like, those are definitely my favorite parts in the movie. And I think that's kind of, like, what C 3D CG is, like, most tailored for, is action scenes can, can look really good. But yeah. it's just the talking scenes, where they're just sitting around, and then, like... It just looks weird sometimes because... Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just harder to get the movements. Because, like, if they tilt their head, like, longingly, if they tilt their head, like, concerned, it just looks kind of weird in CG because it's so accurate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, the other thing that was weird was when he was playing the guitar. Yeah. His fingers were like... You're like, whoa... Yeah, that's like, okay, and that's actually common even in like 2D anime, like if TV series that are fully 2D, a lot of the times they'll do CG for music things, like there's a current show this season, you're not watching it, but it's called um, Your Lie in April, and it's a show about people who play piano. So it's a normal, traditional anime, but when they play piano, guess what? CG? Yeah, CG. All of their fingers are in CG, and it can look fine, but at the same time it does look kind of off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's kind of like people's hands don't move that accurately, or they just don't move that swift. It's just it just looks CG, which just kind of takes you out of it. But there are mech battles in this. It, I want to consider this really a mech show. I mean a mech movie, sorry. But there were multiple mech battles. Like when she first lands from space, she lands in a giant mech, and that's the mech that she uses to kill all the people. But like, as you said before, he kind of ditches the mech, makes her ditch the mech because it's connected to D.Va. But there are other mech battles in the movie. Not really a spoiler because that's totally in the trailer because that's what they always put in the trailer, the action sequences. Yeah. Um. So we kind of talked about visuals. I was fine with it, the CG. The story is okay, but it's kind of hard to talk about why the story is just okay without talking about the spoilers, right? Yeah. But how would you, why would you say, like, can you say why you thought it was just okay just based on this? Mm, I don't know. I just yeah. don't. It's like that thing where you weren't bored, right? Yeah. But you weren't exactly compelled by anything. I think maybe the story. Like, it's cool. But, trying to find out who this person is and whatever. But I feel like it's kind of been done before. Yeah. And I kind of feel like it's... It's, it's just not... Uh, it's not that it's not engaging. Because it is engaging. Because you're entertained the entire time. It's just that it's not... Uh, it's kind of a weird thing to ask out of a movie. But it's not life-changing. Yeah. I can't, I, can't, I can't imagine watching a movie like this and walking away and be like... That movie changed my life. Like, I couldn't imagine walking into the movie and then walking out of it with and having something significantly altered about your thoughts or, like, your values. 
Like, I just don't take that away from it. But... I like... Oh, go, go, go. Oh, I was gonna say, I like movies where you can go, watch the movie, and then still want to be in the world of that movie. Yeah. And then this one wasn't one of those. Yeah. It was kind of like a cool story, bro, movie. Where you finish yeah. it and you're like, cool story, bro. Let's go eat lunch or something. Yeah. And then so... We'll talk about this, but so... I got there before you guys because you guys are running a little late. But when I got when I got there, there were people behind me in the theater, and they were kind of, not that I'm not one of these, I'm just not this type of them. But they were kind of stereotypical anime nerds, and they were like talking about the movie and whatever. But that's not really the point. The point is at the end of the movie, they made it seem like it was the greatest movie ever. They were like, "That's so good," and you heard them say that, right? Because you were there. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, just like, how can they be so enthusiastic about it? But I I understand that people like movies, especially, I feel like, I realize this more now that I've gotten older, but when you pay for things, you want to enjoy them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like nobody wants to go in and pay $15 and be like, that was meh. It's like, um, okay, so I recently watched this, this documentary on Star Wars called... The People versus George Lucas, and it was about and the People versus George Lucas, obviously, yeah. because there's <laughs> people like is it the is Star Wars a property of George Lucas or is Star Wars a property of the people and whatever. But anyway, it's interesting. But whatever, uh, it gets to this point where the people who fell in love in Star Wars with the first trilogy, four, five, and six, when they saw the trailer for announcing the uh episode one they got so excited and whatever and then they stood in line for hours and waited and waited and then they got and into the theater and the movie's starting and then they're like this is the best thing ever and then they're just like why is this wrong and then when jar jar beings come in they're just like why why and then they didn't they hated it they hated it and then they're like wait 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 I'll go see it again. Maybe it will be better. Yeah. And there, a lot of the people they're interviewing, they're like, yeah, I saw it in theaters like three times because I thought it would get better, but it didn't. <laughs> it was so weird. Like, why, why would you pay for it if you knew you didn't like it? But they're still paying to see if they would like maybe come eventually come around to it. And they were just like spending all this money. Like, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, like, I, we just had this conversation, I mean, not conversation, but we had this similar thing happen with, uh, we did our episode on Princess Kaguya, which I did the exact same thing. I saw it because I was like, maybe I'll like it the second time. I didn't end up liking it. But yeah. people do that because they want to like these things. Like, they don't want to not like them. Like, I feel like sometimes people, especially like, I hope I'm not one of those people because I really, I genuinely love so many things, but... I don't know, for this podcast, for some reason, I keep on choosing things I don't necessarily love. But there are, uh, I forgot what it was, but I heard this quote from a movie. I heard somebody quote a quote from a movie, I guess, telephone game, whatever. But there's a quote from a movie where it's all like, I don't understand what happens in somebody's life to make them want to become a critic. And it's like, and I think it was alluding to something where it's like something terrible has to happen to you to want to become a critic. But I feel like, People just want to like the things that they like, and they want to understand why. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just, people obviously, they don't like not liking things. Like all those Star Wars fans, they don't like not liking the new Star Wars. Yeah. But they can't help that they don't like it, that it is to them a bad movie. (laughs) And they would keep buying things. Yeah. And like, there's this, it was, they had a, a manga creator that they interviewed, I forget which, but he was like, yeah, 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 I, I don't buy Star Wars things anymore. Now I only buy every R2-D2 thing. <laughs> oh my god. I laugh so hard. But, yeah. And then I guess it does kind of relate to this, but there is some, revolving this movie, there is kind of, an essence, of fanfare. Because this movie is written by... Um, I know you're you're not really in on these types of things, but it's written by Gin Urobuchi, who is the writer of almost definitely the biggest manga, in like I mean not manga, biggest anime in the last ten, ten years, which is um, Madoka Magica, which is humongous, especially in Japan. In America, it's not the hugest, but it's definitely popular in America. But in Japan, it's the hugest thing in the last ten years, and people actually recognize him because most people can't. Especially for anime, they can't recognize writers. Like, what's your favorite anime? My favorite anime? Yeah. Uh, Bakano. Now, can you know who wrote that? Even just, even just the novel, because it's based off of, um, what do you call those? Yeah, the short sh- novels. No. Light novels. <laughs> light novels. The light novels. Yeah. Can you name that person's name? No. Yeah, I actually think can I? It's something. Narita, I think. It has an N. One of them starts with an N. And I think one of them starts with an R. R. Their initials are R-N. R-N-R. I know that. But, see, but you can't name it. And that's, I think, so common in anime. Especially, and you know, you like that author, right? Because what's another series you like from them? Durarara. Yeah. And you still can't name their names. No. (laughs) Yeah. But, or name their name. But, Ginnarabuchi is one of those special ones because he's done such a huge show that people know his name. And there's been quite a few shows that he's done. He's done Psychopaths, which kind of wrote on his name for the first season. And it's currently in its second season, which he isn't writing. But it still kind of rides that high of it's a Gin Urobuchi show. There was also a show called, um, what was it? Gargantia. And then I got another one in me. I can remember one more. <laughs> what is it called? Um, I'm going to edit out the silence. While I Google it. Sorry. Uh, then he also did um, Fate Zero, which he wrote the visual novel, he wrote the light novels for, which was then adapted into an anime, which is also super successful. Almost all the shows he's done have been success, super successful or successful enough. Because yeah. Fate Zero, super successful. Madoka, incredibly successful. Um, Psychopaths was pretty successful, obviously, because it got a second season. And then... Um, Gargantia was his least successful show, which is actually my favorite show of his. And I actually want to see this movie because he's so successful, but I'm actually not a fan of him. I'm actually kind of, I don't want to be pegged as a hater, but I like to watch his stuff because I don't like it. I'm not a person who likes fake, I mean, no, no, I'm not a person who likes um, Psychopaths, and I'm one of the people who really don't like Madoka Magica. I don't like Madoka Magica. Mm. But I do like Fate Zero, and I do like Gargantia. And he currently has a show which is kind of airing. It's between seasons called I'll Know a Zero, which he only wrote part of it, but he wrote the overall screenplay for it. And then I actually really do like that show too. So it's up in the air, but I kind of, I do love to hate him. 
Like, he is that villain in my mind. He's not a villain to any other any other people. But to me, he's that villain that you love to hate. But that was a long segue. But that was just all. There is fanfare for this movie. And then so it does relate to kind of the fanfare for... What were you talking about, Marissa? Star Wars? What? Yeah. Yeah. And then so there is that. And then the people in the theater... I already told you this um, after we saw the movie, too. Is that they were talking about Ginnarabuchi. But they totally mislabeled him. Because they were like... <laughs> They were like typical anime nerds getting stuff wrong. I've probably gotten stuff wrong too. <laughs> but let me just say, I'm definitely at a higher anime nerd level than these nerds. Because these yeah. nerds were all like, oh yeah, this movie is like has two directors. And one of them is Ginnarabuchi. And he's like, oh, I love his stuff. He's like, does crazy stuff. And then like they didn't really let him do his things with this movie. So I heard it's still a good movie, but it's not the best Ginnarabuchi thing. And I'm like, Ginnarabuchi isn't a director. He's a writer. Which he totally is. He's totally a writer. He's not a director. And then... The director for this movie is also definitely not as notable as Ginnarabuchi, but is um, Seiji Mizushima, who directed um, Full Metal Alchemist. He also has done some other shows. Let me click it real quick, because I guess that is pretty important. What is his name? But yeah, definitely Full Metal Alchemist, the first series, is his most popular one. He's also done um, Mobile Suit Gundam Zero Zero. Double zero, I think, is actually what the Gundam fans call it. Okay. He actually doesn't do as many things that <laughs> I thought were really that popular, but he does do some popular stuff. Sorry, I know you're not the biggest anime fan, so I'm happy that you let me vent, Marissa. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, yeah, that's basically it, I think, for the non-spoiler section. If I would have to say, though, um, if you're an anime fan, I feel like it's worth $15 to experience it because of just the type of movie it is it's the first cg movie we've gotten in a while because you're getting it almost just a month after japan is and because it has all these other this name attached to it too i think it is good enough for that reason to see it like are you happy that you saw it marissa yeah yeah like i'm happy that i saw it but i would never i'm not gonna buy this dvd (laughs) i'm not gonna buy it right i mean like you're obviously not because you're not a big anime collector anyways but i'm a big anime collector and i'm not going to buy this dvd and that was also one of the reasons i wouldn't mind seeing it is because the reason it came out so fast is because it's by aniplex usa this is another part where i'm gonna vent is that okay marissa yeah yeah but aniplex usa is basically kind of a american sub company of a japanese main company and so they release a lot of their products in japan oh from japan in america so they own the they own the products in Japan, and then so this is one of those this is one of those titles, and so when this DVD comes out, they will be charging Japanese prices because that's what they do for a lot of their shows. Because in America, a movie costs you like what twenty dollars, but in Japan, a movie a normal movie like in Frozen, if you want to get Frozen in Japan, it's going to cost you sixty dollars. That's the normal price. So when this DVD comes out here, I already know it's going to be some crazy price and i'm not gonna pay it that's ridiculous yeah that was the same reason why um remember even though i told you i like to hate ginnarabuchi so i remember i invited you to see madoka magica do you remember that uh no wait was it maybe it was alma then but i invited somebody to see madoka magica but even i was like i'm probably not gonna pay the 15 dollars because madoka magica that cost 15 dollars too and then guess what? The DVD what? cost fifty dollars. 
So it's like, even if you want to watch that movie now, you're going to have to pay $50. So I would rather pay the $15 to see it in theaters. Yeah. I didn't... Did you invite me to see the Monica movie? I think I did. And I think you said I think you said how much? And I said 15 and you're like I don't like Monica Magica that much. I no, I did sure like I, did. I do like it. But I'm pretty sure you were like not for $15. Was wasn't the movie just like basically the show? Okay, what they did is is they had the movie, they had two they had two, three movies. The first two movies um summarized the show into two movies. The third movie is basically the continuation of the show it, it is like all original all new material so that's what i invited you into that's what i invited you to i made sure i wasn't going to invite you to the double feature of the recap of the show i would not pay for that okay yeah i invited you to the original movie and i'm pretty sure you said um like you'd want to see it but not for 15 dollars i because I, I it's either that or I was probably doing something because I would have probably seen it. Yeah. It also might have been that I didn't have any money because I didn't have a job then. Yeah, that may have been it too because it can't, I think it came out more than a year ago at this point. Yeah. Because, again, because it's Aniplex they, and it's the Japanese company, they have the ability to get it out here early. So I think it came out in America only like a month or two after it came out in Japan. It was the same deal. So it was definitely, now that I'm thinking about it, definitely over a year ago. Yeah, but that's nice. And nice, it's nice that you can get it fast. But I'm not gonna pay fifteen dollars for every single movie they release. But I'm happy I saw this one. All right, we kind of talked a lot about all this other stuff surrounding a movie, but we didn't really talk about the story as much. I feel like, is there anything you want to say about the story before we go into spoilers? Uh, not really. All right, I do want to say that the story is totally okay. It's nothing mind-blowing. And yeah. I feel like, like that's what, when I saw those people leave the theater, is I was totally okay with their enthusiasm. I like people who like things. I like people who get excited about things. But they seem like that story was so good. And I'm like, it really wasn't. It was just a totally... You know... What? Okay. It's like how people like Avatar. Which one? The, the James Cameron. Oh, James Cameron, okay. Yeah. Oh, like I that, totally agree with you, yeah. That story was nothing special, yes. but everyone was like, oh, that movie's so great. You have to go see it. And I was, ugh. Yeah. But I'm but not really you... a big fan of James Cameron anyway. So. But would you call that movie a bad movie? No. No, you just is... call it like it's okay. It's like if you yeah. like that type of movie, get yeah, excited like, about it. But don't say yeah. it's like the best narrative ever. Yeah. Because narratively, then... it's not that strong. It's like, the visuals are strong, and then it's kind of the atmosphere that it creates for the viewer is fine. Yeah. It's People nothing... were treating it like it was the best thing. Yeah. I and know I'm like... just like, calm down, guys. It's yeah. not that great. I know like the common thing that people even say when they talk about Avatar is, it is the... How much did it cost to make? $1 billion or something? Or did it cost $500 million? Like half a billion, I think. I don't know. Are you going to Google it? I'm pretty sure it costs a half a billion dollars, though. Um, Avatar budget. I mean, yeah, half a billion dollars. Let me check. Wikipedia. Oh, the budget was $237 million. And I remember people were talking about 
Like, it wasn't going to make that money back. But then after it came out, it made all that money back. It made over a billion dollars. That's what it was. It made yeah. over a billion dollars after it came out. But all I hear about it now is that it is the, what is it, $200 million version of Fern Gully. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody always says, Avatars is Fern Gully, Avatars is Fern Gully. I hear it all the time. Or Pocahontas. Like, or Pocahontas. No, well, not. It's closer to Fern Gully, I think. Yeah. But they're definitely also Fern Gully is amazing. Okay, I haven't seen it in like since I was a kid. But that's I the think... whole thing is that there's nothing wholly original about it, and that's how I could say about this movie too is that it's totally serviceable. You can totally get in there. You can get hyped. You can totally enjoy yourself. But it's nothing super special story wise. Yeah, James Cameron. Should have spent more time on the story instead of just the technology. That's my opinion. Um, cause he like developed a new technology to create all the visuals and that. Yeah, yeah. but then you also That's have to think. Ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think they give him enough credit though, cause there is a part of me that wants to think that he knows the story isn't that great, but it's like, cause there is this part where. You do have people who work in, like, film or whatever, where they totally recognize people are dumb. And they make <laughs> their stuff to, they make their stuff targeting the lowest common denominator. So, of yeah. course, they're not going to always say that. And I'm, I kind of hope that James Cameron, James Cameron isn't one of those people who doesn't acknowledge that. Like, I hope that somewhere in his mind, he's like, well, I know this isn't the greatest thing. But he's like, because it isn't the greatest thing, it appeals to more people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, if he tried to do something super original or super out there with it, it he probably wouldn't get half as much money. Yeah. So if it's like, if this was his tool to make a story that is serviceable, if not the most original, but also get the ability to create this technology, then it's totally a win win situation for him. Yeah. Yeah. And then if he ever wants to, he can, he's so rich. He can totally make a, a new original movie that he wants to if he doesn't want. To put some sort of new technology on the line. I don't know. Yeah. Because also he made that movie about deep sea diving and did that movie. It probably made back its money. I'm talking out of my butt. But it probably did make back its money. But you have to think about it. I don't know anybody who saw that movie. And it's probably really hard to get a movie popular when it's just about a technology. Because to some extent that is what Avatar was. It's a kind of an expose on that technology. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we totally got off topic on this movie, but I think this is a really interesting conversation. I'm glad we're having it. So now we're going to go into the spoiler talk. I liked it. I thought it was fine. You liked it. Okay, wait. That was... I'm not in the spoiler talk yet. This is the exit, sorry. (laughs) But I liked it. You liked it, right, Marissa? Yeah. Who would you recommend it to, though? Um... Okay, I can say that, I know, because you're, like, thinking, I'm like, I can say I would not recommend anybody buy it. Don't go out and spend $50, because this DVD is probably going to at least be $50. And and don't spend $50 for a movie you, you're not sure if you're going to like. But sometimes Aniplex does do this thing where they'll release it on PlayStation Network or Xbox Live, and you can buy a movie for $15. And if you have a nice home theater, and if you have friends who like anime too... I would totally say if you want to spend fifteen, um, ten dollars because only ten dollars for rental, ten dollars to rent it and check it out. I think that's okay. Probably not by yourself, but if you want to have like a movie night with your friends, try it out. If you don't like anime, don't even watch this movie though. 
Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I guess there wouldn't be anybody that I would explicitly, like, recommend it to. I'd just be like, it's okay. If you want to see it, go ahead. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine ever hearing from somebody... Is like, oh, I watched this really good anime movie. Because, you know, you hear that sometimes from people. It's all like, <laughs> I watched this really good anime from somebody who doesn't even watch anime. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't ever expect to hear that about this movie. Where it's like, I watched this really good, really good anime movie. And I feel like that really is only because of the distribution. Because, you know what I have? I have heard people who just like, I watched this really good anime movie called Appleseed. Have you ever heard stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, like, Appleseed is one of those movies where it's all, like, people watch it, and it's kind of popular. And then there's other movies like that, too, like Cars, or, like, ooh, can't, can't name a third one. But there are some CG anime movies. Like, they even did the, the guy who did Appleseed did the Dragon Age one. Did you know about that? The whole Dragon Age? It's, they had this thing as Bioware, where they made anime Bioware movies. Did you oh, know that? yeah. Yeah. So the guy who made Appleseed also made a 3D CG anime of... Uh, Dragon, a Dragon Age spinoff. But you do hear about people who get introduced to anime movies, but I just don't see this being one of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so now we're going to go into the full spoilers. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers, you can leave. If you don't mind getting spoiled, I actually, do you feel like this is a movie where spoilers matter a lot? Not really. Okay, so yeah, we're going to get into spoilers, but one thing before we go. I do want to say that this movie, this isn't a spoiler. It's just like, if this is one of your pet peeves in movies, it's not a pet peeve for me. It is something I love in movies. They almost say the name of the movie in the movie. <laughs> I love that. Like, when it's all like, what's another movie that does that? I can't think of any. But I don't know. I can movies. think of a television show. What television show? Game of Thrones. Oh, whatever. Because <laughs> yeah. she's like... When you play the Game of Thrones, you you win or you die. Yeah. yeah. But I love I love it when they say the title in the movie. And they almost do that. They don't exactly do it, though. But I still like that they kind of have that, oh, they said the name in the movie. I like that. But anyways, that's the end for the non-spoilers. Now we're going to go to spoilers. Stop listening. All right. So spoilers. Do you want to give what happens after that, Marissa? You can skip, we- you can skip just right to who Frontier Setter is. Oh, he's a robot. Yeah, so you end up finding out Frontier Setter is a robot. Do you want to explain more? Uh, and he was going. He hacked into Diva to try and recruit crew members for a space expedition to the far reaches of the galaxy. And he eliminated crew space for, like, actual human people. So the only people that he could get were the the diva people yeah the diva people since they're all cybernetic or whatever yeah and so he kept trying to find out trying just like saying this message over and over again like if you want to come see the farthest reaches of the universe join me and yeah yeah and you basically find out that he wasn't trying to attack diva and then basically angela has this reasoning um this moment to later on in the film, after they meet him, where she sees what he's capable of. They see how he's hacking into D.Va, and she realizes, she's like, if you wanted to, you could have destroyed D.Va at any time. Like, you could have just ended it all. But that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to find humans to go into outer space with him. And then he does, they don't go into it a lot, but, um, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but 
it wasn't the thing is is that there were multiple um what do you call that not expeditions not experiments there were basically multiple avenues that humanity was taking to prolong and excel and uh, not prolong to prolong and improve life after earth so one of those is diva and another one is what frontier center is doing is the humanity going out into space and finding life on another on another planet or whatever finding more suitable conditions so they're kind of parallel it's just that um frontier setters didn't work out and of course he's not the founder of it it was uh put in place it, by humans a long time ago right yeah like over 100 years ago yeah so basically yeah it's a, oh yeah i forgot about that part too but it's over 100 years ago so frontier setter is basically um he's a normal robot he just over the years of not being used he he developed ai and he kind of developed a personality like wally or whatever and then he just and then he kind of decided based on his ai or whatever that this was the best outcome for him as his robot is to finish this avenue that humanity started but abandoned, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, so after Angela realizes this, uh, she kind of has to decide, because he's a, he was, they were thinking he was a terrorist, and he technically broke into D.Va, so he is a criminal in that aspect. But at the same time, he's just a robot. It's not like he's a human. So she kind of has to deal deal with what should be done with him. And it's kind of normal procedure to kind of eliminate the threat, no matter if they're a robot or a human. But she's like, he doesn't mean any harm. And she honestly believes he doesn't mean any harm. And she made him promise not to. <laughs> yeah, she made him promise not to. But he kind of lays out the entire plan to her. And she can kind of see that at this point, she's not 100%. At this point, the part I mentioned earlier where she can see that he could have destroyed D.Va at any time, she doesn't know that yet. But based on the information she's told her about the existing plan and the fact that um, the robot takes them to the facility where he's been building a rocket to go to the space station in space that's kind of prepared for the journey further in space. Because what it is is that um, the humans had already built a rocket in space to make the journey across space to find a place. Oh, I did not mean for that to rhyme. It's just making it more <laughs> confusing. But, okay, break it down. Space station in space to travel to more hospitable places. And then on Earth, there's no way to get to that ship. So what, um, Frontier, wait, Frontier Setter? No. Yeah. Is it Frontier? Yeah. Yes. Frontier Setter has been doing, is he's been building the rocket to get to that space station for the last hundred years. So she kind of sees that he's not been working on hacking into D.Va for 100 years. He's literally been working on this spaceship for 100 years. So she kind of, she trusts him that that's what he's doing and that's what he means. And then right before he kind of explains all of this, isn't, I can't remember, but you, you have to help me on this part. She has a, a conversation with Dingo, who has been her guide. Who is yeah. a natural human on Earth, who's not connected to Diva, but she gives him the opportunity to um, join Diva because he's proved himself as a helper to Diva all these countless times, right? Yeah. And then he tells her the reason he doesn't want to join Diva is because he doesn't agree with how they operate, because what Diva does 
and you find out the reason why she's so serious about her job is that even though Diva is a digital world where everybody can have all these pleasures, it's only because they alleviate space by um, kind they of... They archive the personalities who don't contribute anything. Yeah, so they kind of put them in jail. Where they're like, if you, if you don't prove vital enough to our society, then we're just going to kind of put you in... What do you call that thing from Star Wars? Carbonite? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of console all that. And they just freeze them and they're like... If you're not proving useful enough, we'll freeze you. And then if we have space later on, we'll add you back into the system. So he doesn't agree with that. He's like, even if I'm on Earth, I'm at least free to make the decisions whether they're good or bad. Even if I have to experience suffering, like hunger or like pain. He's like, at least I have the choice to live my life how I want and I'm not subject to the system. And you find out that that's one of the reasons she's so... Um, obstinate about doing her job and doing it right is because if she doesn't prove herself, she could possibly get archived one day. But now this is the part where you have to help me. Did that happen before or after Archive Setter explains the plan to her? You just said Archive Setter. <sighs> archive Setter. I'm so dumb. Frontier Setter. It's after. It's when Frontier Setter always explains the plan and then She's like, okay, she's getting ready. Remember, they're trying to... She's going to try to get back to D.Va because she can't uh, because yeah. her robot was destroyed. You're right. And then they're waiting for Frontier Setter to make the thing, and she's out there talking with Dingo. Okay, yeah. So it's after he explains the plan. All right, thank you for helping with that because what, what it mattered to me for was that I was trying to understand her logic because basically what happens is after this, she returns to D.Va. And she returns to D.Va through the help of Frontier Setter. So what they do is they kind of make a little machine. Um, and then it, it, it kind of beams her herself, her digital personality or whatever, back to D.Va. While her incubated body that she just created these past few days stays on Earth. So she goes to D.Va and then she has this confrontation with the... They don't really name them, but they're like... There's three of them, I think. And they're kind of like the three deities, but not really. They're the three, like, governors of D.Va, and they run everything. And she basically makes the case where she's like, I think we should let him do this. I think we should let Frontier Setter take all these people. If they want to go, he's only asking for volunteers. And in our society, we're just having people archived. And she's like, it's basically like death for them. She's like, like, we don't even ever alleviate space for them to come back. And then it's at that point where... um. She totally believes in Frontier Setter, and she believes that it's going to help their society too. And that's why I wasn't sure on the order, because you have him explaining his plan, right, Frontier Setter? Yeah. And then you have her her conversation with Dingo, right? Yeah. And then, I don't know, do you feel like the point of that conversation is she's having to face the, the realities of her existence at D.Va, that D.Va isn't perfect? Yeah. And then it's because of that that she can realize that Frontier Setter's plan will help everybody. Yeah. Because there's all these people in D.Va. But what ends up happening when she tells um, the the three people, the three, just call them three deities, because their, their avatars are like three, I don't, I think, think, think they're Buddhist deities. Some sort of Hindu deities, maybe. But the three, it, deities, three I'm deities. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that one was Hindu, one was Buddhist, and one was Christian. 
Really? Which one was Christian? The dude with the beard. Oh, in the center? Yeah. That would make sense. Okay, so just call them the three deities, though. Or the Holy Trinity. <laughs> okay, so wow. the Holy Trinity of, D- of Diva, what do they end up doing when she tells them their plan? When she tells uh, them her support of, of Frontier Setter? Uh, they don't care, and that she either get back on Earth and destroy Frontier Setter, or they're going to archi- archive her for being insolent and disobeying orders. And then what does she say? Uh, she was like... No, she was uh, like, no, automatically. That was probably my favorite part, is that they present this kind of turn of events that you kind of expect. It's not really original, but you find out that her society is kind of evil, and they're like, no, you basically kill the robot, because you can't really kill him, but you kill the robot, or you're archived. So you basically die. So you find out that they're evil, and then she literally, like they say, do this, are you going to do it? And she doesn't hesitate at all. She's like, I'm not going to do it. I like yeah. that. Did you like that? Yeah. Yeah, like it wasn't this big complicate. um, what do you call it? I said complication. that's not even <laughs> Like, it isn't this big... Complicated? She's... No, it's just like she's not conflicted about it. She's already oh, yeah. realized, she's like, she's like, I'm not going to do that. She's like, this is my... This is my stance. And then it kind of comes back around to there's another theme in the movie where um, Frontier Setters finds out that, oh, oh, no, we'll go on first. So she refuses, and then what do they do to her, of course? They are Kyber. Yeah. But because Frontier Setter is a hacker, when she doesn't come back, they he he's like, I have to break my – because he promises he won't hack into there anymore. But she's not coming back, and she's not giving them any information. So – he hacks in to find out what happens to her, and he finds out she's been archived. And then they kind of help her escape, and she gets back to Earth. But the part that I really liked about that is that you have um, Dingo, who has kind of been becoming friends with Frontier Setter this entire time. And he's like, Frontier Setter's like, why would she risk herself for me? And he's like, it's because it's her moral code. Yeah. And then they do this little hand signal that's kind of like a... It looks like a traffic airway controller. like, go that it's... direction. Yeah. But I really like that. Like, that's probably my favorite part of the movie is that it's the moral code. And that was kind of, I think, the theme of the movie is that the reason she could refuse so fast to destroy Frontier Setter is because it's her moral code. And she realizes, she's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that type of person. And it's not right. And then I like that. And then for the rest of the movie, that's kind of the theme for all the characters where it's like, this is her moral code. This is Dingo's moral code. And then this is Frontier Setter's moral code. And then they're all just trying to help each other. I like that. So we're kind of going a long time. So summarize the rest of the movie. She comes back to Earth. Then what happens? Uh, they send the other agents that were supposed to be finding out Frontier Setter's identity on to their location to destroy Frontier Setter since she's not going to do it. Yeah. And then uh, Frontier Setter hacks into the thing, gets her out. They steal uh, another robot thing. And then they go back to Earth, and then there's big fight, and then... Huge fight. Yeah. So basically, but... that's the rest of the movie, is just, just a huge fight scene. But... Is she's going back down to Earth. The fight scene, literally the fight scene starts when Front... Frontier Setter breaks her out. And what they do is, they get, I think, like, one of the newest models of the mech, because it looks different. Yeah. And it then was they like also... Yeah. The latest one. Yeah. So they break her out, they get, like, the newest model of the mechs, and then... They start ascending to Earth with all these extra weapons because he hacked Diva. Because he—that's when he realizes that he could do whatever he wanted. He could have totally destroyed Diva. 
So he gets the latest model for her, and then they start ascending to Earth with all the weapons. And then once they get there, they have like an all-out battle with um, the agents. But even before that, they're having a battle in space with like drones and stuff. Like the three deities are sending out like unmanned drones to like hit her spaceship as it's ascending to the atmosphere or whatever. You remember? Um. Yes. Yeah. And remember, and then she shoots a gun from the other side of the earth. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. But that was probably like that's like my I love the action in the movie, and I just feel like there wasn't enough. The in yeah. action, the in fight scene is really long though, because it's literally. Once she starts ascending, it's action all the way up to the end of the movie, which is, what's the end of the movie? Frontier Setter gets away. Yeah, because what he says, he's, he's basically like, well, basically, my plan, I'm running the signal in D.Va, but I still have zero volunteers. And he's like, nobody wants to go with me. And he, then... Uh, okay, wait, 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 wait. Why didn't he just take all the other memories that were archived? Well, my, my assumption is that maybe they didn't even want to go with him. Because it, but, he already showed he had the power to access the archived people. Because she was archived. Yeah. And he accessed her. So I would assume he did that for all the archived people. And it's just, people are still brainwashed. And it's kind of like that whole thing. It's just not a lucky time for him. If he oh. had come back maybe in, if he had maybe waited another hundred years, he could do it. But he kind of really didn't have that time. It's just the people in D.Va are still brainwashed enough to believe that diva is the perfect society you know, know what i mean i didn't I like that either stolen all the archive people but he didn't want to take away because i'm assuming he did give them the option and if he but, would have ignored their but option they to didn't, not go they never showed that he gave them the option yeah because they, they showed with the other one like the first one that they showed at the beginning it's like a populated area with people yeah. having fun do you think he would have more luck if he went to like a smaller area no, where what people I'm saying, aren't having as much fun? No, what I'm saying is that they did show his ability to access archived people. Yeah. Because he accesses her. So I would assume that if those were the people he wanted to take to begin with, he would have probably already been asking them. Ugh. But they're, but you have to imagine, if they're archived and somebody comes to them and is like, um, I'll take you into outer space, they could just think, that's crazy, I'm not going to do this, even if I have to wait 100 years. I'd rather be stuck in this... Like so they jail. are immortal. Yeah, they're pretty much immortal, I think. Okay. But, I don't know, because they do still have that organic matter, though. So, because they have that, they keep their their essence with them, they said. Like, that's how they cloned her, to have the organic body on Earth. So I would assume there's still an organic part, so they're probably not completely immortal. Hmm. I mean, I would assume the three deities are. Yeah, Holy Trinity, whatever. But, yeah, so basically nobody wants to go in the end. And then it ends up being Dingo saying, well, you know what? He's like, even though you're a robot and you're not alive, he's like, you've kind of developed humanity and you kind of become, like, more human than human. You become like a human. And then he's like, so why don't you just go out there for us and then just show, like, what humanity is, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so Frontier Setter's like, He's like, there's only one other person I can invite to go with me. And then he ends up inviting Angela. And then after contemplation, Angela's like, I'm sorry, but I can't. She's like, and then this happens when she's fighting. And there's kind of a nice scene where it goes all silent. And you kind of see that Angela's thinking. 
And then she looks out her window, and this is the part I don't get. She looks out her mech, because she's super high in the sky, and she sees Earth. And you can see, she can see, like, the curvature of the Earth, and she sees that a green scenery, like a forest, right? Mm-hmm. But then the forest turns to desert, and then it's after that that she says, I'm sorry, but I can't go with you. She's like, she's like, I'm not going back to Diva now, but she's like, there's still too much to see on this planet. And I guess maybe she was seeing that that is what Earth could become, that Earth wasn't as bad as Diva was making out to be. Is that what you got from that? I, I'm not sure. The, I didn't really know what to think of that scene. You're t- the forest, right? Yeah, because she's just like looking at it and then it randomly changes and then she's yeah. like, meh. I thought at first, I thought it was a real forest, like, because she just hadn't seen all of it. And she just saw that there's a forest on the other side of the earth. I thought that would have been so much more powerful. That is literally, she hadn't seen all of the earth yet. And she didn't know that the greenery existed on the earth. But instead, it's it shows a forest and then it shows the forest being a mirage and it's just kind of like fading away and then it's just all desert so i'm thinking maybe it's just her realizing that there could be more things to earth than she wants i mean and then she thought and that yeah. she wants to see those things but yeah so then um frontier setter's like okay he's like well then i guess i'll go and then he ends up going to space and she ends up staying on earth and it's kind of the end of the movie i kind of rushed through the ending because we did take a long time but I actually like talking about this movie, right? Did you have fun? Yeah. Just to let you know, you are a much better conversation partner partner than that other person. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so much easier to talk. <laughs> it's because she's just like, ah. I don't know. Almost a nice person, but sometimes when she talks about things, she's like, I don't want to talk about it, but let's talk about it. I'm like, no, what do you mean? <laughs> But yeah. So, final thoughts on the movie. I did like it. And I feel like I actually came away liking it more after having this conversation with you. But I still stand by that it's just good. It's not, it's still high-pitched good. It's good, like, condition. Like, or it's good, then, like, um, star symbol. And then you have to, like, put a little footnote at the bottom. Something like that. It's a good movie, though. Yeah. It would be cool... If they, it was just like about Frontier Soldier. Yeah. On, on different planets in space. I just wish, I wish, I'm totally with you though. I wish somebody would have gone with him. I don't like yeah. that he went out into space by himself. I don't like that. I know, it's sad. He's like a little baby. Yeah. Because <laughs> he even, he even early in the movie, he explains that he's like, I actually really like you, Dingo. And he's like, you know, I eliminated all the space and that's why I've been trying to get. I've eliminated all the, like, the cabin space. So that's why I've been trying to get people from D.Va going. But he's like, if you want to, you can go with me. And then he's like, no, I won't either. And I'm like, come on. At least well, give him something. He's afraid of heights. Oh, yeah, but whatever. He just doesn't <laughs> want to leave Earth. Well, like, he should have... That's why when... Because they even have a scene where when Angela is invited, Dingle's like, oh, no. Like, no, what if she goes? You know what I mean? Yeah, but so she's like 16. Yeah. And that body, that's so Oh, no, I'm not even talking about, I'm just saying it looked like he was concerned if she was going to leave. And I thought it would have been, I would have been totally fine if she decides to leave, but then he decides to leave too, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's... That like, is... if it was just, like, Angela, Dingo, and Frontier Setters, Adventures in Space. I would have been totally okay with that. That would be awesome. Yeah. But again, I do understand where you're coming from with the body, 
where you would assume that I kind of they don't push it though. That's the one good thing about the movie. They do not push a romantic a romantic relationship between her and Dingo. But you can tell. That but you can tell you're supposed to ship it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But you're it's totally so weird. supposed to ship it. Yeah, especially because like the way he was like holding her body. Okay, now that's the other and thing then, is like, that. He is that, so they age her down to 16, which I hate. I hate that so much, especially because she's totally not. It's one thing if she was a 16-year-old, and that's just how it is, but she's literally not. Like, they just, they're just like, oh, well, we can't have a 30-year-old. We got to change it to 16. So they just age her down to 16, even though she has a 30-year-old brain in her or whatever. But it's like, I don't like that. But then they also do the thing, which is what you're talking about, where they also give her super anime like animu clothing where she's like skimpy micro bikini yeah did you see her heels suit. they're weird yeah i actually like the heels they were like super futuristic but they also didn't make any sense like why are you you're supposed to be like an officer and you're wearing and it looks like she's like on her tiptoes yeah <laughs> how are you walking it didn't it didn't make sense it's all fan service which i didn't like and i think it totally detracts from the movie it totally does because like you're saying there's a scene where he's carrying her and then literally five, not like five centimeters from his face is her butt, like her bare butt. Because yeah. Because she's wearing like a tiny sw- swimsuit for an outfit. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's not good. And yeah, and yeah. it's crazy because she looked perfectly fine as an adult lady. She was yeah. wearing, and then even her adult clothes were kind of, they were kind of suggestive, like they were kind of skin tight, but she was still fully clothed, and she she was fully clothed, and she was an adult. It's like why can't they just leave it like that? Yeah. Yeah, so dumb. I didn't like that. I didn't like it either. Yeah, but... I like like the movie overall. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think, how would we close this out? But you didn't like... I feel like they should have at least given him something. They should have at least given Frontier Setter some people to go with him. Yeah, that's so sad. He's just by himself. Especially when they showed him as so human. Like, yeah. he obviously enjoys the company of humans, and yeah. he gets along with them, and then he's going to be alone? That's so sad. That is something I wanted to talk to you about, because I already told you, like, in other episodes, especially, like, we've, I've already mentioned it multiple times, but yeah. I really don't like humanizing robots. Because I'm like, for me, I'm one of those people, I don't have a problem destroying a robot. Like, if I saw Frontier Setter in real life... I probably wouldn't have a problem shooting him up with a machine gun because he's just a robot. But I still think there is something super sweet. And I guess you could call it like the, the what do you call that? The the magic of like, or no, like the romanticism of robots where it's like they're human and you want to treat them like a human. I, yeah. like, I like that story and I think this one does it pretty well. Where... Because it, it even like reads a line of yeah. like are the humans in Diva even humans anymore? Yeah, because especially and since Frontier Setter is a robot that turned AI, aren't they basically the same thing? Yeah, because that's the thing they don't make it clear if the people in Diva are zeros and ones or if they are half zeros and ones and half organic matter. Because she explains that she came from organic matter, but she exi- she exists in a digital world. So you could take it as maybe they literally are just a computer program in space and the body that they create at the beginning of the movie, the 16-year-old body, that is her first birth. Like that is literally a human being who's just birthed and given the memories of this person. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting too. But I think they do good riding the line between like 
this person is just a robot. I mean, well, not person. This thing is just a robot, but at the same time, it has human qualities. And should we not 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 simply respect it, but I mean, just like acknowledge that it's like if this thing has developed human qualities, isn't that something special? Like, even if they're not human, should we still give them the chance to just do what they want? It is such a weird thing because it is a robot. So I don't, I personally don't believe, like me in the film, at the end of the film, I don't believe Frontier Setter has a soul, but I definitely feel attached to Frontier Setter. And I feel like Frontier Setter is somebody that I would want to defend and want him to accomplish his mission, even though I acknowledge that he's not a human being. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's the thing. I told you, I have such a hard time with robot movies. Because it's like, I'm one of those people, it's like, have you ever seen a computer program? It's not alive. It's not alive. It's just zeros and ones. But I can totally respect humanizing it. But yeah. In, in, what? I don't know. Like, you don't think that robots are going to come to life and attack us? Because no, that's it, a real fear of mine. It's all of your perspective, because even in the movie Frontier Setter, what he says is he doesn't ever say he went against his programming. He just says that he found, he found, he accessed new areas of his programming that he didn't know. Like he, he explained that because he was alone so long, the only thing he could do is run operations or whatever. And he could keep on running scenarios to accomplish the thing that he was programmed to do. And he found it in this way that no other robot was able to access before because they weren't in his situation. Yeah. So it's technically not, it's artificial intelligence, but it's not original. He's not having an original thought. He's only accessing information. He's only responding to information the way he was programmed to do. They just never expected such a situation to happen where this robot would react in this way. Because literally the way he's reacting is humanity's dead and they probably didn't really consider that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they kind of probably saw it coming. But, I mean, the whole humanity's dead and we have the ability to go into outer space and there's also this diva thing. Like, there's no way they could have planned for that many variables, but the robot's AI has to account for those variables. So then he then creates the situation where he makes up his own, like, his own idea of how to respond to it. You know what I mean? Yes. I know, it's just such a hard thing. And I already, I just, I, it's hard for me to be on board with a lot of robot things. I was okay with the way the robots were in this movie. I was not, I and I told you, I'm attached to, at the end of the movie, I was attached to Frontier Setter, but I was not, like, if Frontier Setter and a baby were drowning, guess who I'd save? The baby? Yeah. Well, because she couldn't technically drown. Okay, if Frontier Setter and a baby were about to be blown away by a bazooka. <laughs> Why would a baby be in that situation? I don't know, because you had a bazooka. <laughs> but yeah. This was fun talking about this. I'm happy we talked about it. Are you getting a little bit sleepy? No, I'm, I'm good. I still have to read after this, after I read Good Omens. I'm probably going to eat first, though. I'm going to play Black Flag. Yeah. I want to play Earthbound. Did you get it? I have the points card sitting right in front of me. I just haven't bought it yet. I want to finish... Mm. What do you call it first? I don't know. Did you hear that motorcycle? Yep. I want to finish... Um, Good Omens first. So, yeah. Alright. So, just to recap. 
I like the movie. You like the movie? Yeah. And I would recommend this movie, as I said before, only if you're, like, an anime fan and only if it comes out on, like, a rental service for, like, $10. Then spend that $10 and maybe watch it with a group of friends. But don't be buying it for $50. Don't do that. And, Marissa, you just Mm -hmm. don't know anybody, period, you would recommend this to, even though you liked it? Mm, No. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even hang out with that many anime fans in real life. Kind of sad. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I know is like you and Diana and yeah. Alma. I'm definitely the biggest nerd I know. It may be because if I think somebody's a bigger nerd than me, I get intimidated and then I ignore them. <laughs> I'm like, no, I have to be alpha nerd. Maybe, maybe Ryan. No, Ryan is not. He'd like it. Oh, he'd like it. Okay, I thought you meant. He would like he was an alpha nerd. I'm like no, no. <laughs> no, I bet he'd like it. Yeah, he probably will. Well, Diana liked it too. She yeah. said it was okay, and I would not recommend. I guess that was that's the thing is if I have to recommend who would go out of their way to watch it, I'm only saying I like you have to take the effort to do it. If I'm saying who would I recommend to just passively watch it, like let's just say an ideal case scenario. You had this DVD right in front of you. Doesn't cost any money. You can pop it in and watch it. Then I would say there's a lot of people I would recommend it to then. Like, a casual anime fan, I probably would. It's just yeah. that... Yeah. I And I think it is good enough for that. It's just, given the scenario, I know that's not going to happen. At the very least, it's going to be $50 for a DVD. And then, at the very least, it's going to be $10 to rent it. So, if you feel like it, then I could say rent it for $10 on Xbox Live, iTunes, whatever. But... Yeah. Hmm. Wait, what were we just talking about? There's something that I wanted to segue into for the ending, because you said Diana, and then I said ideal case scenario, and then beep, 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 beep. What was it? I I have no idea. I know know you don't know, because it was in my brain, and I lost it. We need to have a sound effect for that. I know other podcasts, they have sound effects for, like, when you miss your thought, and then you're like, it's like, you got hit with something. It should be like a, a, a bomb. No, it should be a whale. And then like you a have whale. Like, you know, like Dory from Finding yeah. Nemo, and then like the thought whale attacked you, and it took your thought. <laughs> Why is it like, a whale? Whales are well. It's because nice. the, the podcast I was thinking about, they have the thought falcon, and they have like a ah, like and then the falcon comes and takes their thought away. <laughs> As I was thinking a thought whale, because then it'd be like, oh, like that. Why does it have to be an animal? Because what other sound effect? Because it's like, it's funny the image of an animal physically coming down and taking one of your thoughts away. <laughs> what hmm. was your favorite animal? Turtle. A turtle doesn't have a noise, though. <laughs> I thought, I thought, the reason I thought whale is because whales have such a funny noise. Because like, oh, or whatever. Also, otters. What noise does an otter make? What noise does it's an like... otter make? <laughs> no. Yeah, I swear. Look it up. Maybe like a sheep. Like one of the screaming sheep. But, ugh, no, a goat. Oh, it's... they are goat. Are they goats or sheep that scream? No, I think they both scream, but goats are funnier. Yeah, goats are funnier. <laughs> I, I, think, I still think whales are pretty good. But just what's an animal that makes a good... It could be a lion. Lions are cool. Yeah. 
Oh, it could be like the lion's. No, if it was a lion's skate lion, it's probably copyrighted. Almost definitely, yeah. No, you mean the MGM. Oh, MGM? Yeah, that's the one that did that. (laughs) Yeah, does Lionsgate not use a lion? No. That's so weird. uh, They don't have, like, a sound. Who's the Pegasus? Uh, Didn't that used to be Paramount's thing? I thought Paramount was the lady. No, Paramount now is just a mountain. Yeah, Paramount Pegasus, I googled it. Wait, is it Paramount? Yeah, it is Paramount. No, it's TriStar. Oh. It's TriStar. And then Paramount is the mountain. Who's the lady? Didn't that used to be Paramount's? I don't know. I don't I'm just so. making things up. It's Columbia as the lady. I know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I literally, I googled Paramount Lady and it came out as the Columbia thing. They're like, did you mean Columbia Lady? <laughs> yeah. Alright. We both liked it. If you have the chance to see it for free, legally, then see it. You'll probably have a good chance of liking it if you like anime. If you don't like anime, don't even try to see it. But, if you want to go out of your way to watch it, do it with a group of friends. That's what I say. Even if you want to buy the DVD... At least do it with a group of friends. That's what I would say. I wouldn't want to watch this movie by myself. <laughs> Alright. That's all? Yeah. I had a fun time, Marissa. Okay. Alright. So, I'm Jordan. This was... Am I supposed to say my name Yeah. Again? Marissa. And this was Bye. a little... Bye. You interrupted me. <laughs> and this was a little mini-sode of Jamcast Pals on the movie... Expelled from Paradise. Um, so you guys, he listen, listen, you guys listen next time. That's what I'll say. Okay. Bye. Bye.